0: Hello, everyone. Bryce Ferguson here. I want to announce that in the following few weeks, I'll be launching a Patreon account to help fundraise for this brand new ministry, Into the Word. We are not yet a nonprofit ministry. Therefore, Patreon seems like the most logical first step in the process. I pray that you will pray and consider giving to Into the Word. Welcome to an exegetical study of biblical scripture. This scripture is God's speech, God's story, written through the hands of men by his spirit. And it's all about God's glory. My name is Bryce Ferguson. Join me now as we go into the word. This is Genesis. ask you, is it a paradox for someone to be both a priest and a king? How often do we see this in the Old Testament? How often do we see this in modern-day
1: nations that still have kings? Honestly, we really don't. We don't see it in the Old Testament. We don't see it in modern-day.
0: A priest makes intercession to God on behalf of the people and offers sacrifices for the people unto God. A priest keeps the house of God or lives in or dwells
1: in the house of God, serves in the house of God. It is really the priest's home. A king is established by God to serve the people
0: and make decisions for the people in a somewhat administrative or kingly capacity and sets himself apart in holiness to lead by the way of righteousness, to lead with boldness
1: and to receive from God and to give in faithfulness. So I
0: ask again, can someone be both a priest and a king?
1: Let's open in prayer, and then we'll dig in today to Genesis 14, verse 17. O Lord, our God, the one who reigns from on high, the one who
0: is above every other name, great are you, God, above all others. There is no God like you. There is no God beside you. You alone are God. You alone are great, and you alone are mighty, and you alone have power and authority and dominion unmatched in this world. Unmatched in history, unmatched in all of creation, unmatched in all of
1: mankind. God, you stand alone in greatness, and love and compassion and mercy and forgiveness
0: and the incredible desire that you have to be with your people in
1: all of these areas, God, you stand alone. You are the greatest. And there is nothing
0: outside the purview of the Lord. For you see and you know all things. You have known all things from history past, and you know all things in the present, and you know everything that's going to happen in
1: the future. God, you are most wondrous and most high. Pray this all in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please open to
0: Genesis 14, and we will start a little bit before today's passage of
1: 17 and back up to verse 11, which is in the middle of last week's passage.
0: So pagan nations went to war with other pagan nations. A lot was caught in the crossfire. And in verse 11, we read, So the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother who was dwelling in Sodom, and his possessions and went their way. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram, the Hebrew, who was living by the oaks of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Ishkol and of Aner. These were allies of Abram. After his return from the defeat of Ketolammar and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheveh, that is, the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. Melchizedek blessed Abram and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me.
1: Let Aner, Ashkol, and Mamre take their share. We see quite a
0: bit in this short passage. Those who have been in the church recognize the name Melchizedek as to the references about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the New Testament, that you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is listed here as what? What does it say about him? He was priest of God Most High. And also in
1: verse 18, he was king of Salem. Melchizedek was both priest and king. Abram pursued his kinsman's rescue. Why did he do it? Because he was a patriarch called by God.
0: Because he was called to take care of his family, to take care of his relatives, because he saw injustice,
1: because he saw that his nephew had been kidnapped and carried off. Was it possibly for love? I think it was all these things, and perhaps for more. But what is
0: clear is we see in this passage it was not for worldly gain.
1: Abram had a victory, and it was not for worldly gain. He was driven by righteousness. His focus was was to live in
0: justice and to live in honor and to live in righteousness under the Lord. He was being, he had been called by God. He was following God. He had tripped up along the way with his wife as they entered Egypt, and we talked about that. And he did not honor God. He did not honor her in that. But then he had a pattern
1: of faithfulness as he was following God. And after this incredible victory where he takes
0: 318 men born in his house, Scripture says here in chapter 14, and goes after Lot to rescue Lot and his relatives and their possessions and to bring them back. He goes up against mighty kings. These are kings of cities that have armies and kings of nations that have armies. These are kings.
1: Abram is not a king. He has a large family and he has resources and he has possessions. But he goes after
0: them in faith and the Lord and righteousness
1: for the cause. And after Abram's victory. When I would say almost or
0: almost exclusively Men get prideful in
1: victory. Abram humbles himself before the Lord. The king of Sodom. A city filled with wicked
0: sinners. Scripture says, we've already covered that and Lot chose to make his home there. The scripture says in the ESV that he settled in Sodom, and that Sodom was a city full of wicked sinners. This is not holiness. This is not set apart in this. This is not along the straight and narrow path that leads to life and leads to God and leads to holiness. When you choose to make your home in a city filled with wicked sinners, and it is this king, the king of Sodom, who comes out to meet Abram after the victory. It says in verse 17, after Abram's return from the defeat of Ketolayamor, which is Abram's victory, and the kings who were with Ketolayamor, the king of Sodom went out to meet Abram at the valley of Sheveh that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, Christians also
1: recognize this as what is later instituted as the Lord's Supper, communion. This is
0: another parallel or a foreshadowing here in Genesis 14
1: with Melchizedek to Jesus later in Hebrews. So the king of Salem.
0: And some say that this was the same city as Jerusalem or the same area as Jerusalem. Melchizedek goes out to meet Abram. So we see a stark contrast here in these two kings coming out to welcome back Abram. To welcome him back from the victory. Some eyes are on the victory. Some eyes are on the Lord in this. And we see this contrast between these two kings. Kings, Melchizedek brings bread and wine to Abram. This could be simple provision, but this is absolutely also a foreshadowing of the Lord who would come in the line or after the line or
1: after the order of this priestly king, Melchizedek. And what does Melchizedek say to Abram? We're going to read what the
0: king of Sodom says to him here again in a second. But let's start with what Melchizedek, king of Salem, when he brings out bread and wine, he was priest of God most high and he approaches Abram and he says, what? What does he say?
1: Congratulations. The victory is yours. Does he say, you have done it. Fantastic. You're so great.
0: That's not his focus at all. In fact, it's 180 degrees opposite of that. We see the focus of Melchizedek, this priestly king of Salem.
1: And this is his focus. Blessed be Abram. Blessed be Abram. A blessing means that there's a giver and there's a receiver.
0: There's one who initiates and then there's one on the flip side who is the grantor of it, is the one who's receiving of it, is the one who is benefiting of it. We see that you could say this is received to Abram. What does it say here in verse 19? By God most high. So the one who is the recipient, recipient of blessing is Abram. It is not what Abram has done. It is not because Abram is fantastic. It's not because Abram is great. It's not because of his own will or his own power or his own accord or his own great thoughts and knowledge. It's not by the physical might because he's stronger. Because he's body built himself up and he's taken all the right nutrients and supplements and he's relying on his own strength. That is not it whatsoever. And Melchizedek sees
1: this. And he sees the Lord. And he says, blessed be Abram by God most high. God most high is the
0: possessor of heaven and earth. That is an active description of God. We're no longer looking at Genesis 1, the one who created, past tense, heaven and earth. We're looking at the possessor of heaven and earth, the one who holds heaven and earth in his hands at all times, actively present tense, We could think of it as the word today. Today is a present descriptor. And then as we advance from today into what we call today, tomorrow, guess
1: what? When it comes tomorrow, we still call it today. So the possessor
0: of heaven and earth is the active, present tense descriptor of God, and this also does not change day to day forever. He is always the possessor of heaven and earth. Or you could think of it separately as, a, as, as another way on the timeline, past, present, and future. It is all, for all time. For all eternity, God is the possessor of heaven and earth. Yes, he is the creator of heaven and earth. He created in the past, and he still creates and recreates and makes things new. And in the future, he will make things new. That is a promise by God. But he is the active possessor of heaven and earth. Nothing is outside his purview. Nothing is
1: outside his sight, his knowledge. You cannot hide anything from the Lord. He is eternal. His capacity is so great that he can have active prayer
0: with each one of his children on this earth at the same time and not be
1: over-limited. Because his capacity is unlimited. And because he is so complex
0: and so great and so on high, so mighty, so powerful. He wants to have that living, active, dynamic relationship with you in prayer, in his scripture, in your daily life, throughout your day. And he wants that with every single one of his children. And the Bible says, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life. So not just his children now, but he is willing, wanting that all people everywhere repent of their sins, trust in Jesus and be forever changed in him and become part of his family and be adopted into his family. And give glory to God and live lives of humility and repentance
1: and forgiveness and to live lives of godliness and holiness set apart from the
0: things of this world. This is the possessor of heaven and earth.
1: So Melchizedek says, Abram is the recipient of the blessing
0: by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be
1: God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hands. Blessed be God Most High. God Most High is the recipient. How could God Most High be a recipient? God Most High is over
0: and above all things. He's unlimited in his capacity. He's eternal. He exists From eternity past to eternity future, i.e., he has always existed and he will always exist. And our human minds cannot comprehend that because all
1: we know are things that have a beginning. And that is just one more area where God is far above us and so great
0: above us. But I said the word Blessing or blessed means that there's a giver and there's a recipient or a receiver. So here in the second half of what Melchizedek says to Abram, he says, blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. So how how is God most high in need of
1: anything? How could, how could anyone give anything to God most high? We give, we give to God most high. When we worship him,
0: when we acclaim him, when we proclaim him, when we affirm him, when we pray to him and worship When we pray to him in humility, when we pray to him, his scripture, when we come before him and we immerse ourselves in his scripture. And we say, yes, God, I believe this. I believe this. I believe you. When you say something, I believe it. This is the truth. When you say that you are the way. Yes, I believe you are
1: the way. When you say, follow me, yes, God, I will follow you. That brings a blessing to the Lord.
0: And we can only do that because God has initiated first. Because God has come down to us, because God has reached out his hand
1: and offered us himself first. God initiates, and we respond. God initiates in love, and we respond in love. Melchizedek spoke to Abram words of worship, provision, deliverance.
0: He was a faithful priest and king. You can tell this by the focus of his words. Because, folks, the words that one speaks are a reflection of their heart. The words that you choose to use during your day are a reflection of your heart.
1: In prayer to the Lord, among your Christian friends, among your non-Christian friends, among your family, how you speak to your children, how you speak to your spouse, and at work, the words that you choose to use are a reflection of what's in your heart. Melchizedek
0: knew God is in control of all things, That God reigns from heaven and God directs the battle. That God determines the outcomes of the battles, and we see this time and time again in the Old Testament. Because Zedek knew it was not Abram who saved himself, but it was God who had saved him and gave him
1: the victory. Because the glory is the Lord's. The glory was not anyone else's. The glory is the Lord's. And consistent with Abram's character in the first half of chapter 14,
0: Abram shows again in his response, that he's not in it for the glory of the possessions. He's not in it for the glory of the battle. What does he do? We pick it up here, the last part of verse 20.
1: Abram gave him a tenth of everything. That is a sign that he's not in it for the possessions. I'm sure you, we've all struggled with this at certain times in our life. When you have little,
0: sometimes you get stingy with little. Sometimes you get
1: worried with little. Sometimes when you have a lot, you can get stingy with a lot. You can get worried over the resources
0: or the money that you have, even when it's a lot. Some people's heart rhythm ebbs and flows based on the stock market or mutual funds or, or on however their investments are performing.
1: God wants his children to have a generous heart. Why? Because our God is so generous and he commands
0: it. It's like humility. You cannot come to God without humility. You cannot preach the gospel without a humility about yourself. Because if you go out to preach the gospel and you're really just proclaiming yourself, then you're not proclaiming the gospel. Then God is not glorified. You are glorified, and God does not receive the glory. When we refuse to be generous with our time or our resources or our finances, that we are not reflecting the nature of our God. That whether in great or in little, we are to have a heart of generosity. And Abram returns from this great victory that he recovered Lot
1: with his possessions, and he brought back all the possessions and all the people. And he gave him a tenth of everything because he believed the glory was the Lord's. We contrast this with the king of Sodom.
0: Now, the king of Sodom, as I've said, was king of a city of wicked sinners. So the king of Sodom's attitude here is probably in line with what you would expect. He interjects, after Melchizedek and Abram spoke. And he said to Abram, give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. Now, give me the persons is probably return to Sodom, the people of Sodom. So i.e. let the people come home. Now there's also a danger in that because they're wicked sinners, but they're wicked sinners anyway, I guess but take the goods for yourself. That almost sounds generous if it were not that they were a group of wicked sinners.
1: And how does Abram respond? Well, let me back up a second. Abram already said, that he would give a tenth of everything
0: to who to the king of Salem to Melchizedek the priestly king and this tenth is a foreshadowing the submission to God's authority is a moment in time and it's a worshipful pattern for all time submitting that God is fully in control of all things and that it is a sign of worship and trust to give a tenth from start, or from the top, or from the onset. And this king of Sodom comes to him and says, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God
1: most high. There it is, the same name. That Melchizedek said to him, in giving
0: glory to God in the blessing That Abram was blessed by God Most High, and that God Most High would be blessed. I have lifted my hand to the Lord God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. The same descriptor, the same active present tense, always descriptor of God, that he is the active possessor of heaven and earth. That I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have
1: made Abram rich. Could it also be that the reason that Abram didn't want to take a penny
0: from this king of Sodom was because he was a king of wicked
1: sinners who are opposed to the Lord? They do not have the same focus
0: on the Lord. They, They focus on themselves. They focus on their sin. They focus
1: on their, what is sin? Rebellion against the Lord. It's opposition to the Lord. And Abram
0: says, for those who are worshiping God. Melchizedek, king of Salem, he says, I will give you a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom runs up, and and it sounds generous, but I honestly think it is not because of how Abram responds. That Abram believes that the king of Sodom would use it in wickedness, to entrap him or to extract from him later what he would think that he would be due, Abram says, I will not do this, lest you should say I have made Abram rich and that the king of Sodom would have boasted in that. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten, i.e. they've already eaten some
1: food that he must have provided. And the share of the men who went with me Abram's focus was the Lord.
0: Abram's focus was honoring those who pursue the Lord, whose focus is the Lord, who worship God, who who embrace God for who he says he is in his word. Then he is God most high, that he is the possessor of heaven and earth. We don't see the king of Sodom talk this way. We don't see the king of Sodom at all even proclaim faith. And if he was king over a city of wicked sinners, then that is pretty clear that he did not have faith in the Lord most high. That he did not have faith in the possessor of heaven and earth. So Abram says, I'm, i not going to give anything to you, except the people and the possessions that were yours anyway, which is good and
1: right and just, if he was on a rescue mission. But I'm also not going to take anything from you, because you are leading a city of wicked sinners. We do not live in a modern day of warring tribes. We're conquering cities. A city's conquered
0: and then by one nation and then it's conquered again by another nation or it's taken back. Abram didn't set his face out or set his gaze to conquer other nations so that he could establish a new nation by force, on his own, or for his glory. In fact, Abram made it clear he was not doing it for that reason. Rather, it was the fact that Lot was kidnapped along with Lot's possessions, that Lot's neighbors were also kidnapped along with
1: their possessions, that Abram set out to bring them back. He didn't set out to conquer or take by force. Rather,
0: it was like a shepherd that he was out to return the sheep to their pen,
1: along with their food, their clothing, their belongings. Notice the intense focus of Melchizedek's words.
0: I, I don't want to go too quickly by this. In verses 19 and 20,
1: his prayer, which I believe was an example of his life, He blessed Abram and said, blessed be Abram by God most high.
0: Possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be God most high who's delivered your enemies into your hands. And look at Abram's words, his worship in verse 23, that
1: God has the glory and God will have the glory. The God
0: was the one who delivered the enemies into your hand. An enemy is not too great. That God could not deliver
1: his people from that enemy or those enemies. Think about David and Goliath.
0: Who was the one who gave young, small David, not even a member of the army, the courage and the confidence and the faith That he could go up against Goliath
1: without armor. Like all of the soldiers who had armor. Without armor. Without a sword. And defeat him. His confidence was
0: in the Lord. He was led by the Lord. It was the Lord who compelled
1: him forward. Because the Lord is greater. He is God most high. He's bigger than any
0: challenge set forth in your life. And I'm not saying that I know the outcome, or that God is going to instruct the outcome of whatever challenge challenge is, I'm quite sure it's plural, that each of us are facing.
1: To our liking, because it's not that. But what I'm saying is: God can. He has the capacity over anything because he's fully in control.
0: He is fully strong to do so. He is fully knowledgeable about the
1: situation. And there's nothing that can stand up against our God. No situation, no person, no nation, no king, no great army. You know, our world is always chasing personal glory. And in this
0: world, we see both Melchizedek, the mysterious priest, king of Salem, and Abram show us how to be holy and to set, be set apart. And it is in looking up to the Lord and humbling and denying ourselves, denying our fleshly desires for pride,
1: for this sin or for that sin. The Lord not only created heaven and earth, but he actively
0: participates in it. He's the active possessor of heaven and earth.
1: Every moment, every day, every breath, it is all the Lord's. The Lord
0: is the one who will receive glory, and the Lord is the one who is
1: due all the glory when we humble ourselves and pray, we're giving God the glory. When we humble
0: ourselves and we read God's word, in that posture of humility, we are giving God the glory. And even if we do not understand a section of the Holy Bible scripture, we still pray, Lord, I don't have full clarity on this mysterious section of scripture, but I still believe it. Because I believe
1: in you, and I believe this is your holy scripture. We are giving God the glory. God is looking for us to give him the glory
0: in all things. And if we are living a lifestyle of holiness, we will be focused on God and we will be giving God the glory in all
1: things. And when we get distracted and when we are tempted and when we sin,
0: let us be genuine and honest in humility and repentance to our
1: Lord so that even in that wrong, dead-end road
0: that God did not direct us down, that we took a side street and we went down and it's a dead end, we have to turn around and come back to the main road, the straight and narrow path,
1: that in that also, ultimately, God would receive the glory. If it was that Salem, and this is debated, was the same place as Jerusalem, we
0: can extract the symbolic connection from Jesus being after the line of Melchizedek. The core word in Jerusalem is sal-lem,
1: which means completeness or wholeness. And our God is
0: the fulfillment of this foreshadowing of Melchizedek. He is the fulfillment of what it means to be complete and whole. We find our
1: completeness, where? Where do we find it? In the Lord. And he does not dwell anymore in a a tent
0: of meeting. He does not dwell in the tent of the tabernacle. He does not dwell
1: in the stone physical temple. He dwells now by the Holy Spirit in us.
0: God is with his people today in a way quite unlike the Old Testament. He is closer. He is more personal. He is actively working and leading us in our minds and in our hearts and in our eyes and in our ears. What we hear, what we listen to, what we choose to listen to. And in our motivations because he is in us pointing us to God, instructing us in the way of righteousness, and guiding us to
1: our God. And you've heard that Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek. So if you still have your Bible, turn
0: to Hebrews 7, starting in verse 11. Now if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belonged to another tribe, from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah. And in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement, requiring, excuse me, concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath, but this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. And from the psalm, after the order of Melchizedek. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, i.e. they died. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. He's talking about Jesus. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession
1: for them. Jesus is making intercession for us. Verse 26, for it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest,
0: holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, because that's what the priests of the Old Testament did. Since Jesus did this once for all when he offered up himself on the cross, For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath,
1: which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Folks, we do have a high priest, and he is a king. He is a priest king. After the order of Melchizedek, who is a priest king,
0: who was focused on God and focused on God's glory. Jesus is a priest king who is focused on God and focused on his glory. And he is God. And we pray to him directly. We don't need a priest. We don't need an intercessor between us and God. Yes, Jesus also makes intercession for us to the Father, but we can pray directly to God. Jesus is
1: God. And through the cross, Jesus made a way for us to be directly connected to God that we could pray directly to God, that we could give directly to God, and that we could know God directly. The greatest longing of the human heart is to know and to be known. And there
0: is a desire in us that even with another person And you can be as close as a marriage and you can be as close as an incredible marriage of which gives glory to God. And where love is sacrificial and that has servant leader at the helm and your heart will still have an unmet desire that can only be matched by a personal relationship with our God. Because God is the author and creator of all things, because God created us in his image and likeness to only be satisfied
1: in a relationship with him. God will satisfy your heart in a way that is not
0: and will not be satisfied by anything else. God will satisfy the great longings of your mind and what you desire in your
1: life. And it can be met in so many ways by him and it will be met
0: fully in him when we go to heaven and
1: are with the Lord and we see him face to face. This is what God wants for his people.
0: The Lord is not willing that any should perish but that all should have eternal life in him.
1: This is what God wants for you. This is what I want for you. This is the greatest desire of the human heart in me. It is to know the Lord, to know the Lord more, to humble myself before the Lord more, to
0: repent of sin and turn away from it, that my focus is away from it more, because that means that it is focused on my
1: God more. Melchizedek sets the example, Abram affirms it. Jesus fulfills it. The glory is the Lord's. And our greatest satisfaction in life, even in the
0: temporary things of this life, will be in the Lord, and will be in the fact of our God being glorified. Will you participate in? and glorify God in your life. This is what God not only asks, He commands. And there is no greater satisfaction in life than following the commandments of our Lord. Let's pray. Almighty God, Father, creator of heaven and earth, the possessor of heaven and earth. You see all and you know all, and you're focused on your kingdom and bringing as many people into your kingdom as would repent of their sin and trust in you, to follow after you, to love you, to glorify you, to worship you, to honor you. God, may we learn from Melchizedek, learn from Abram, and most of all, learn from our Savior, Jesus Christ, that the glory is God's and to glorify you in all that we do. Pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Join me next time as we continue in Genesis 15.